locked into the zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, they're America's brand, Big League Chew, the official bubblegum of Diamonds and Roses podcast, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Ben's here today. Uh, Travis is out busy doing work and getting some masks ready uh, for some baseball teams for this upcoming season in COVID. But we've got a great uh, episode for you today. And as always, uh, real quick before we get going, I'd just like to shout out and thanks our uh, sponsors, Baseballism for providing some great quality material apparel. Big League Chew got the best bubblegum out there. And Devo Bats got some really great wooden bats. For any of you who are interested in wooden bats, go visit Devo Bats. That's D-E-V-O, Devo Bats. Got some great bats. Well, <clears throat> today is interesting. We're taking a step away from the norm that we have here for the podcast and we are flying all the way to the East Coast, and we're going to visit with the newest team in the Summer Collegiate League out of North Carolina. And uh, we have today Greg Sullivan, the co-owner and team president for the, I want to say it, the Carolina Disco Turkeys. It happens to probably be one of the coolest names that I've seen out there in quite some time. Uh, we're gonna we'll have the logo up on the web on the uh, Twitter Instagram, and if you go to Spotify, you'll be able to see it on as the background for this week's episode. But I gotta say, Greg, thanks for joining us, and what an amazing name! Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. So let's uh, let's talk about you real quick. You're the co-owner and team president. Um, what got you? What started this madness to get the team going for you? Yeah, I guess you know a lot of people that are in summer collegiate baseball are a little, uh, you know, passionate. So definitely, I'm in that category. Um, inspired by a lot of other people that have taken a similar path. Um, but uh, I have a writing background, so you know, years ago, I I covered here and there some summer collegiate baseball. Uh, a lot of minor league baseball and college baseball and I've always kind of been interested in it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you see an opportunity and you're at a place in your life where you can make it happen. Um, and I really wanted to do something fun, you know, where I lived, I've lived in a, you know, a couple different parts of the country and, um, kind of back in a part of the South, have a family and, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be here. This is like where we're settling down. So I've got to have something really cool to do. And it just kind of all fell into place. So here we are. So I know having covered and still continuing to cover the West Coast League, which is also another summer collegiate league, um, there's some great talent that goes through that particular league at any given moment. Um, talk to us a little bit about your league and maybe some of the talent that you're aware of that's gone through that particular league itself. Yeah, great question. And, I, I you know, I think the West Coast League is – um, you know, in my opinion, one of the best leagues in the country. Um, I think a lot of the programs there, um, you know, Victoria, uh, Portland, some of those teams, I think inspire us a lot by what they do. Um, we, um, we play a lot of teams in the coastal plain league, <clears throat> mostly, uh, ones that are close to us for travel reasons. So we play, uh, Martinsville Mustangs and the high point Thomasville high toms. We play those guys, you know, both of those multiple times. Um, and that's, I think a very comparable, um, level of play to the West coast league. Um, you know, the South has long been one of the hotbeds of talent. So I think a lot of those teams, um, in this area are, are pulling players a little bit from across the country because, because they have good reputations, but also, um, they can kind of go in their backyard a little bit as well. Um, I think we benefit from from the local talent pool as well. Um, so we're we're uh, an independent summer collegiate 
um, team, but we've got really, um, I guess what you would call a very robust scheduling arrangement. So we play, um, a lot of, uh, established and, and, uh, you know, very strong programs within about an hour and a half of us here. Um, and then we're affiliated nationally with the triple ABA, which is a really cool historic, um, league. And, uh, that's for all American amateur baseball association, um, essentially what it is, a lot of the teams are uh, champions of different ABA leagues. Um, a few are just um, kind of individual members, and that's what we are. So our team at the end of the season represents the state of North Carolina in the ABA tournament in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And so it's like kind of like a, you know, national national championship type event. Obviously, there are, you know, there's a lot of great leagues with great teams that aren't represented, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of those teams are very strong, um, historic programs and that tournament has been around since the forties. So it's really cool. It's, uh, you know, a good like midsize American town. And this like event is like their super bowl. Um, one cool thing about like, you know, when I'm talking about the the North, I'm talking about the Northeast and South and the Southeast on my part of the map here, but, um, the Southern kids that play baseball, are used to having Northern teams come visit them because of weather. So like February, you know, Penn state might be playing all their games on the road against teams down in Georgia and North Carolina. Um, but because of that, you know, the Southern kids rarely get to travel to the Northeast. Um, so it's kind of a treat for the players as well. Um, Cause there there's teams in other parts of the country that travel the map and, and our kids, because there's so many strong college baseball programs close by, um, rarely go to different parts of the country. So I, I think they're going to get a kick out of it. Um, and another cool thing about the league is, is um, 50% of your roster has to be from your state. Um, so it's kind of a unique, um, but for us, that's not really hamstringing us at all because we're kind of composed that way naturally. Um, but it's cool. Players get to kind of have a little bit of state pride as well as uh, represent our program. That's very interesting because, you know, some of the other the other leagues are just open. And again, I'll go back to the West Coast League. They, they draw from everywhere, um, their players. But to just draw 50% from your particular state. And uh, yes, the, the South, I mean, there's a lot of great baseball programs within the South. And some of those teams just have a lot of great talent to, to draw from locally. So that's not really um, a big deal, I would say, for a lot of the players. But um, how has that recruiting been for you? Because you, this is you guys are going to be going into your inaugural season this year, and you got you got to you know incorporate COVID in there. But how is how is that uh, recruitment going for the team so far? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it's a good question for any team in any league this year with COVID, but also you know, different leagues or different situations. And I, I think for us, you know, there are, since we're kind of, we're more like independent, um, we're not getting players recruited by a league or funneled to us by a league. So, you know, a few of the elite leagues, and I'm not sure exactly how it works with the West Coast League, but, you know, some leagues of that caliber, some of that recruiting is done at a league level and players are just kind of funneled to places depending on the league. Um, and so we're not like that. So we, we, you know, are out, you know, working sometimes it's through Twitter, you know, uh, remote, uh, recruiting, I guess you would say, since you, it's a little bit trickier to get to places. Um, and, and then there's restrictions, I guess, with some facilities, especially early this season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, in some ways when you're in a talent hotbed, you know, other players reservations on traveling to different parts of the country might work in your benefit. So I think in some ways that might've kept a few kids here that might've explored um, some different parts of the country, which is kind of one of the cool things about uh, summer ball is because, you know, I think it is a good thing for kids to try a couple different leagues out in their career and see a different part of the world, you know? Um, but I think for us, um, that didn't really hurt us too much. I, I think there were challenges just being new. Um, and for us, especially we were trying to get an elite facility. And when you try to get an elite facility the first time, especially with COVID, uh, 
some of that process was a little bit slower than it would be to just go book a high school or something. Um, so we, partly because of that and partly just how everything lined up, we were able to uh, launch our team, which went great in March. Um, but the negative of that is trying to recruit a roster where the players can't see a website, can't see a name. You know, you try to like do it through back channels as well as you can, but um, you're uh, it, it's a little bit of a challenge when, when you're new and also are trying to be kind of secretive about your brand identity. I think a lot of teams don't even fool with that. They're just like, let's just, uh, let's just leave the name out there because we can't risk not getting the players. But we kind of had a hunch that like if the launch went really well, especially playing at a minor league stadium, um, we would be able to overcome some of those initial challenges and it's paid off. Like, you know, we had about 15 or 16 guys committed, but not all of them were signed um, going. And then like, as soon as we launched, we've had like a flurry of uh, local coaches and players reaching out to us. So it was a little stressful right before the launch, but after that went pretty well, then, then it paid off that we approached it that way. Yeah. I know the uh, West coast league and some of the, the owners and managers that I've spoken with directly, they, they're they're I think they're, policy overall as far as recruitment is is that each individual team is independently owned and they go out and they recruit their own players and a lot of them of those managers they have relationships within the um, either high school um, baseball world or the collegiate world or both and so you you see a lot of those relationship buildings and a lot of the building and a lot of these owners and managers already have some of those relationships. Cause like yourself, I mean, they've been affiliated with the game in some way, shape or form for many years already. And so it's just about relationship building. And then, you know, I think after this inaugural season, it, it'll probably come a little bit easier as far as recruiting wise, because you'll already have had a product mm-hmm. on the field and showing it. But uh, I want to get, I want to get into the, the, the actual stadium itself because um, from some of the things that I know from out here, you know, one of the only, uh, one of the only stadiums that I'm aware of that's, you know, already a facility that somebody else has that they, they kind of maintain is um, uh, Corvallis Knights, where they play with at Oregon state university. Um, and so, you know, that's a really good school and it's got a great, have a great ball, ball program for many years now. Um, but to be able to go to a minor league facility and have something like that, that, brings its own unique experience, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, it's a mile and a half from my house to the facility. Uh, I wouldn't have assumed that it was a given they would think about it. It was just kind of an outside-the-box idea. Um, and and you might could say even that, like, COVID might have led me to think about that outside-the-box idea a little bit more. Um, I did, I did know that, that, you know, um, I, I did, I did kind of sense that there might be opportunity there, um, to at least talk it out and it, and it paid off. I think, you know, we were very open-minded going into that discussion and, and it turned out they were too. And, um, it's been good to, to collaborate with people on something, the Winston-Salem Dash, um, when they kind of had the same approach and mindset going in that, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see how we can both benefit from uh, doing this. And really it benefits our city because, you know, even if there is some extent of capacity restrictions, you know, you can still, you're not having to turn fans away. You can be like, well, you know, you're the 51st percent or the whatever cutoff is, uh, but don't worry, we've got a game for you tomorrow. You know, it's the other team, but it'll be great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was kind of thinking of this a, a little bit as you're talking is, and that is um, considering what happened last year and having no baseball in many parts of the country or no fans and then coming into this year and at least having some sort of capacity for fans and that fan base, um, you know, that's that's definitely helpful and great for the community and those that are interested in being able to see some good young talent that's up and coming, not only in the um minor league world but also in the summer collegiate world but it also has to be really good for the community because it adds extra games 
where maybe the the ballpark's just sitting anyway. So I'm sure that was probably um, a sticking point for you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, there's a lot of benefits. I mean, you, you know, also from my standpoint, as uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of marketing and PR and that kind of work and been around baseball. Um, but there's there are operational aspects of baseball that, you know, I have people that are like kind of consultant types, you know, people, just friends that I can talk to and people I can bring in to help. Um, but on, at the same time, some of that is my first go and uh, being able to collaborate with the Dash, um, they'll have worked out all of the all of the COVID issues in terms of like they'll have had three weeks of home games before we start. And they're first of all, they, they do a ton of research and, uh, you know, know exactly what they're doing, but they've also had, they'll, by the time we start, they'll have perfected everything. Um, so for me, like being able to just worry about making my team where it needs to be and to not have to worry about some of these operational things and, and hoping to not learn any tough lessons, it hasn't really been an, as, as much of a concern because, you know, we have professionals that we're working with and, and during COVID, I mean, it's not something we're going to take a chance on, right? Like it's, it's, it feels really good for us knowing that we have people that know what they're doing, working with us on that. Same with food. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've, they've got, you know, more planning than, than the average summer ball team when it comes to, you know, mobile ordering or whatever, whatever they end up needing to do to make it safe. Yeah. And what, what's the city's involvement in with this? You know, and, and what did they say to getting this new team? Yeah, they don't, they do own the facility. Um, you know, like a lot of situations, the, the dash are operating the facility and, uh, you know, under a long contract and, and the city owns it. Um, you know, I, I think as far as the people, they, they love our name and I think they're excited, you know, but um, I assume the city's probably feels really good knowing that the dash who've been around for a long time and, and people trust and like, you know, are handling everything as far as, you know, uh, some of the mobile ticketing and, and some of those things that could be a snag for a new franchise. So I think for the city, it's, it's a, a win-win because you get, uh, more baseball, uh, local college players are, you know, not having to travel. We're not bringing in as many as some other teams from outside the area. Um, and, uh, you know, also, you know, they, we've got really good people, um, running the operations. So it's, I think there's excitement. Um, we, we've, uh, because of our situation with the dash, um, handling a good chunk of the, of the operations in terms of like, you know, crowd management and stuff. Um, you know, I don't think we've had to really interact with the city in the same way that some teams do if they're, you know, handling all the operations. Yeah. Now let's talk about this name. I mean, it's a very, very unique name. Um, and I'm assuming you guys definitely wanted to be unique, wanted to stick out. Talk to me about this process. How did you guys go about finding the name Disco Turkeys? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was me on the name. Um, you know, I definitely, we have a designer and illustrator that had a lot of input on how it, how the actual design came about and stuff like that. And he's been great and brilliant. Um, as far as the name, you know, just looking around, it was, it was just something that was fun, but I think it was like, um, it, like a lot of minor league type names, you know, they've got a pun and that gives it a little fun in life and that's cool. But I thought, you know, this one's really cool because it goes further than just a play on words. It's, it's, you can take it to music. You can take it to, uh, dancing. You can take it to, uh, you know, just so many places that that just a funny name can't get you. So initially you're like, that's funny or that's, you know, or I didn't expect that. Um, and then you're like, OK, you can play some cool, cool tunes or whatever at the games, you know, so you can you can really have a lot of fun with it, I think. Um, but the other aspect of it, well, there's a few, but um, another is, you know, Winston-Salem already had a team and a, a team that people like. And so I think 
with that being the case, we didn't have to come up with like a crowdsourced people pleasing, hitting every demographic, just how they want it compromise name uh, because someone's already pleased the city, you know, or that's how we look at it. So, so that's good. And that freed us up in some ways to be more creative. And then the, the other end of that is, um, you know, I think not every city could handle the name. There's some cities around here. I won't name them, but some would be like, kind of might turn their nose up to it, you know, a little bit. Um, but we, we've got, you know, Wake Forest is here. So there's a college, there's a handful of small colleges and, you know, the city's mostly like people working in healthcare, I guess, is probably the biggest industry, but there, there is a tech scene. It's a little bit diverse in terms of like what people are doing. And uh, it really wants to be an artistic city, has a little bit of a brewery scene, well, a good brewery scene, like a lot of North Carolina. Um, the downtown's growing. And, and so, so I think it was a place that, uh, that has, I mean, I think it was ready for an unusual name and could get behind one. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And, uh, and I think is able to, to house multiple identities. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, I look at the, I look at the logo and, and the first thing that like popped in my mind and I threw out on Twitter, I'm like, oh my God, Saturday night fever, John Travolta, like stuff or whatever. It's like, you can have a Saturday night fever game or you like John Travolta night or, or just, just things like that came to mind when I looked at the, the logo and you could do so much um, with that. Yeah. I think it's, it's something that, you know, there's so many dimensions to the name. I mean, we can do so many music related promotions, um, animal related promotions just with a, like a peacock, you know? So, um, and just, it's just, I, th I think there's so much we can do with like fashion, with, with uh, dance, with music, uh, it's, it's great. If you're a creative person, it's like the team to be with, you know? Yeah. You know, and it kind of reminds, it reminds me of some of the teams out here, like the, the Portland pickles is a very, very unique name. Um, and then a new team that's going in the Nanaimo night owls slash Nanaimo bars. And so the, the bars came about because it's a famous like bar that they make in Nanaimo. It's really good. And so it's, it was unique to go with the double name. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that goes with this, this theme of going with uniqueness and stuff like that. And um, what events, if, if you have any already that you are planning um, this for this summer uh, for like specific nights at all? Yeah, we've been kind of, I mean, we've had ideas in mind to do some things with music and stuff, but I think we've, we'd kind of paused and like waited till we got our dates. Um, unfortunately with COVID, you know, like some teams, that we would play kind of had to wait a little while before they could get their calendars and stuff like that. So it, that's kind of held us up. And, you know, I think it, that's, that's something that seems to be going on across the landscape, even with like affiliated minor league teams, usually they'd have their, you know, schedule last, last year sometime. And, and then, you know, I think some of the teams around here, I, I can't remember exactly, but if it was like February or March. And so we had to wait until they got their schedule so we could build our schedule because we actually don't play any of the same days that the dash play. Um, so we're, we're very close to having the schedule. I mean, we, we basically got it, but um, we're just like confirming times and stuff this week um, with just all the teams we play. But, you know, I, I think we didn't want to like pigeonhole ourselves or anything with, with some of that until we knew what dates we had, just because some dates lend themselves to, to good promotions and you know you want to know who has memorial day who has fourth of july and stuff like that before you plan too much but yeah i don't know i think i think uh it won't be too hard to to come up with some good things especially with music you know whether we want to um you know bring in some different genres i, I don't want to be like all disco or something like that i know that's a direction we could go we could do a saturday night fever night i'm not against that at all i think that'd be fun um I do think, you know, a good, like figuring out like what our ratio is, is it 20% disco or something like that? You know, figuring out, out that is good. And yeah, I think promotions are one of the fun parts of baseball. So we're, we're working on a few things. 
Now, when it comes to like the coaching staff and and you know, that you're getting in for your team, are you looking to bring in you know MLB experience so that way these players when they come and it's one of your selling points is like, listen, like we have a coaching staff with X years of MLB experience, or or are you looking for like player development on the front from the collegiate standpoint side because you may have you know, high school, got people that just graduated high school and that are coming into play so they can kind of get some experience learning from uh, another collegiate coach out there. Um, you know, what was your mentality when you're looking at the coaching staff? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it was like we wanted someone with collegiate coaching experience. So, um, you know, we, we got a coach. I, I mean, I think there are some successful high school head coaches that, um you know, can transition to a summer ball head coach to see if they want to make that shift to college or just to try something different. Uh, and we did talk to a few of those guys and some of those guys were impressive. Uh, but, you know, we landed with a, uh, an assist, a full-time assistant coach at a local college. And for him, you know, it's, it's a chance to, you know, he has, he has been a head coach at a, at the summer ball level um, one time previously, but it's really a chance for him to, kind of show in the area that he's, you know, a good college head coach. Um, and so that's how we're looking at that. Um, you know, I, I do think it's important and we're working on bringing in a pitching coach. Um, you know, I think you have to have assistance, especially you have to have someone who can legitimately and coach pitching well, manage a, pit, a, a roster, you know, a rotation. Um, because, like you mentioned earlier, relationships, you've really got to show college coaches that your staff can handle their pitchers and keep them healthy. Um, so, you know, player health is important across the board and, you know, especially in positions like pitcher and catcher. Um, so we wanted to make sure we had the right personnel to handle that from a coaching side. Um, but yeah, MLB experience is great. I mean, I've been around a lot of people that have that, you know, just especially when I was like covering minor league baseball and, and that's definitely impressive as from a player recruitment standpoint, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if there are a lot of teams we play with MLB experience. There, there are some teams we play, you know, I feel like coaches have minor league playing experience, um, but uh, yeah, not, not a lot of MLB guys, I guess it's a little, I mean, there are a lot of them if you look across the country, but I guess there's not that many. So when you're, you you were putting together this team, you, you know, as a co-owner, your, your other owner, the other owner of the team, you know, what were the two of you like thinking from, from the very beginning, um, just trying to get this thing up and going? Yeah, it's a big task. And I think we kind of see how, how much work it is as we do it. Right. Um, but uh, you know, our head coach is doing a lot of the recruiting which is good. I mean, the one benefit is like some of the, if you can get a local college coach and probably to some extent with a local high school coach, they know the talent in the area already. And so like in our case where we need to build a roster that's 50% from North Carolina, that's a huge benefit because they, uh, you know, they, they have friends, other coaches at, at nearby schools. And then they also maybe recruited some of these same guys that either they got a couple of them, they didn't get a couple of them. Um, but I will say one one thing that's really important um, is that, you know, when you're hiring a head coach, you need to think about how it impacts your ability to build a roster because there are some rules. Like if you take a, a division one head coach, well, there's rules about who he can work with over the summer. Right. So um, since our head coach is a college coach, but he, he's a like an NAIA uh, level college coach. Um, so he, he doesn't have those same restrictions. So we can bring in a junior college player um, when, when like a division one coach couldn't. Um, so, so that's, that's really important. And, and there are certain markets um, where the talent pool you have available, making that wrong choice could really uh, put you in a corner. Yeah. Having to follow those, those those rules, not only your, your league rules, but also, you know, NCAA rules to make sure you're not violating anything is, is really 
I mean, I think it's it's really interesting, you know, being a part of you know summer collegiate leagues, just having to have all of these like different things that you've got to follow. It's not just like one standard, like okay, here are the league rules. No, here are the NCAA rules, and please don't break those, also, <laughs> because it'll you know hurt hurt your program. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, who's, you know, I don't know the other uh, co-owner's name. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. the other co-owner, please? Yeah, the other co-owner is um, Joe Mackey. And he's, he's a friend of mine. He's uh, not really a, like a traditional baseball guy. Um, he's, um, he works in healthcare and has, you know, some, he has a lot of knowledge that's very useful in terms of like, you know, kind of like the accounting side and just business experience, negotiations. Um, so he has a lot of skills that, that do come in very handy. Um, but, you know, I will say it wasn't very hard to get him interested in this project. And partly because we're like, we both live, like I said, a mile and a half from the stadium. We're, we both go to a lot of dash games, have kids, families, you know. Um, but he also, he went to the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, if you're talking on another part of the country, outside of your part and our part, um, another part where there's healthy summer collegiate baseball is the Great Lakes area with the Northwoods League. Um, partly kind of like to some extent where you're at, um, I think the climate and, and the weather and kind of what months you have dictated that those parts of the country have very strong summer collegiate or short season minor league ball uh, just because, you know, it's less fun to be out in April in the Great Lakes, you know, uh, that compared to the South. Um, so he, he, uh, you know, as a Wisconsin student, they don't have college baseball at Wisconsin, which is unfortunate, but, um, he did become a big fan of the Madison Mallards and, you know, they've been, um, the top selling, um, summer collegiate team for years, as far as like crowd numbers and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it essentially is a, a, you know, might as well be a single A, double A minor league team when you're talking about four or 5,000 people going out every night. Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of people. If you're averaging that many, um, in the summertime, cause I know the out here, you know, on a good night, you know, 2000 or, or so is a pretty good night. And, you know, the, you, you do have teams that do average up in the three to three thousands, upper threes, maybe even fours, but, um, you know, Having having the right, I guess, size stadium for your specific area and being able to put on the right promos and being able to put a you know good product out on the field, um, and then having a you know a logo and something to get behind is you know really important. And uh, you know, with with going into this season, kind of what are some goals that you set um, for yourself and the team? Yeah, I think just to get to be a very strong program. And and what I mean by that is like, you know, what can we do that puts us in like an even better position in year two, like where where we're able to like expand, you know, game experience. You know, I I think this year with COVID, you know, there's areas maybe where you don't want to invest a lot of money. And by that, I mean, like, you know, there are certain things you could do um, normally that maybe you can't do as far as like, how can you interact with fans in a social distancing situation? Uh, like, like play areas with kids, like what, what can you really offer? You know, so you want to have, you want to find creative ways to engage all ages. Right. But um, you might not want to invest in something that a potential restriction might limit you to, you know? So, um, so I, I think, and, and if if there are areas like that that we don't choose to invest in year one, you know, how can we do well enough as a business and a and a program to, uh, you know, grow those areas in year two? You know, what can we do, um, you know, from a player experience standpoint to to make recruiting even stronger in year two? Um, and can we be um, such a strong program in terms of like player satisfaction? that we're able to retain 50% of the roster if we want to, you know, um, I, I think that's a good goal. Um, but I think another big goal is just like brand awareness, you know, like I, I've, you know, we actually, we've been really fortunate. We've sold merchandise to all 50 States 
already, which is really cool. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, how much awareness we've been able to build in our city. Um, one interesting thing we do is we play a lot of earlier games. And so I'm curious of, you know, have we been able to like penetrate the downtown area where our stadium is? And will those people, you know, be coming out, you know, for happy hour or whatever at our games? Yeah. You know, it's going to be, you know, going to be a good year. I think in all honesty, you're probably going to get some crowds out because people are going to want to get out and do some things that like they used to be able to. And I think it's one of those things, um, as we were talking earlier, like maybe they can't go out and see the, the other team that you're sharing the stadium with one night but they can come out the, the next night. So you may get a, you may get some new fans just solely based on, Hey, there's baseball. It's available. Come yeah. see us play. Exactly. And I, I think that's, and that is probably good. You said goals. Cause I think that's like the minimum. And I think we've been, I will, no doubt we'll benefit from that. And I think kind of the, the demographics we bring out in game one might not be the demographics we bring out later in the season and next year. And that might be fine. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get a lot of people that just like baseball, which is cool. And then, uh, you know, I think we're, uh, I mean, we've got a crazy name and I think we're just as creative and funky, like just that's how we are as a group. Um, so I think we'll appeal more to some people than a, than a like a corporate minor league team does. Um, nothing, you know, nothing wrong with people that want to go to those kind of games. Um, but I think we, I think we'll hit some niche areas and, and like, you know, you mentioned the West coast league and, and I think, you know, teams like the Portland pickles, you know, and, and Victoria and Nanaimo, you know, one thing that's cool about them is, is I feel like they, um, they do a great job. I think some of us, you know, they have great merchandise branding. They've kind of got a lifestyle brand in addition to, you know, great baseball programs. And I think that's, that's what we can do in the South. I don't think very many teams have done that successfully here. Even if you look at what I would call very strong summer collegiate programs, like the bananas, the bacon, there's some, there's some really cool names. Um, I don't know that, you know, they've certainly captured like different groups of people and they found a niche and they've had success. I don't know. You know, I think we're more similar to some of those West Coast teams in terms of like being like maybe more um, grassroots um, than some of those teams. Because um, because those some of those teams are really like they're playing in old single A stadiums and they're they're a little wilder and cooler than some of those old single a teams that failed in those towns um but i don't i think for us to succeed in our market um long term i think we need to uh to really connect with people in a different kind of way probably more like the pickles where where you've had to kind of sell people that this is a cool thing to do even in a place as cool as portland and i think that's what we have to do and and i think we will but it's it's uh it's a, you know, it's not easy to do. <laughs> no, but uh, I do got to go to like the, the merchandise portion of it. Cause like you said, you, you've been fortunate enough at, at this point to have all 50 States covered, but I think that goes with branding first of all, and, and like how you released it. But um, you know, you got, I got, you got hat lovers like me that <laughs> like to get these, like yeah. go out and purchase like these random like team hats and, you know, I consider myself an avid hat guy and I put them on all the put different hats on my, you know, account on our baseball account all the time. And it's just like those things that stand out. And it's like, you remember that it's like, Oh my God. So like, I know personally I'm, I'm waiting for <laughs> whether it be new air or whatever disco turkeys hat to come out because I want one. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm interested because I actually wanted to ask this question. So uh, what are what are what are the uniforms going to look like? When are we going to are they, have oh, they been put out there? When are we going to be able to see these things? Yeah, they'll we'll we'll unveil them before the season, and so so our season starts like around May twenty third or twenty fourth, I think. And I'm in front of me, but something like that. And and we uh, play our first home game, I think, around June fourth. So you know, sometime before you know the, 
late May, we'll, we'll unveil the uniforms. They're going to be cool. I mean, you know, we'll have a home and a way and, and some, and some teams around here, you know, just have like, they'll go with a color Jersey and just kind of use that for all their games. Um, but I think especially playing in a minor league park, you can't skimp on appearance. You know, you, it would look funny and unprofessional if you didn't have a quality Jersey and hat and, and custom pants and stuff playing in a facility like that. Um, and that's definitely an area where we've tried to be strong, just like our logo. I mean, we feel like our uniforms are as strong as the rest of our branding and we are excited to show everyone, but, but, uh, they're actually like not completely made yet. You know, they're, they're being made right now. Um, and, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I, I think one thing I wanted to do, um, and I think the trash pandas did this. So I, I thought it, they did it really well was to have a local high school and uh, have those dudes um, model the jerseys in some kind of event before, because it really gets the community interested, does well on social media. But I, I think, it, you know, that's kind of that grassroots thing I'm talking about, um, you know, to to appeal to people, but to bring other people into your project. So if it's a local high school or multiple local high schools, let's get these kids passionate about our brand and have fun with our like crazy, you know, logos and crazy uniforms. Um, I'll model one of the fitted hats. If you, if you, if you pay for it, I'll, I'll put it, I'll I'll model it and I'll put it all over. Yeah, no, that's, and that's cool that you point that out. Cause I mean, I think that's a big thing, you know, I, we, we plan to have those anyway. Uh, We definitely didn't expect the level of national and international interest that we got. We thought we'd have some, so, but we didn't think people would be like banging on the door, but it's not just you. We've been getting a lot of like, you know, Twitter comments and stuff. So we, we're we listening to it, you know. Um, but one thing is like, you know, apparently New Era hats aren't that easy to do. Like uh, it, it's not like a two or three week process, like, like a regular hat. Right. Cause, and I, I think, you know, one thing we've learned is like, you know, with embroidery, like you just can't, not everybody can do a three inch logo, you know, or whatever. So, so that's a process, you know, I think a lot of teams are coming back. There's a lot of new teams. So it's like, we got to get in line. Uh, but we are like talking to new era right now, actually. And, uh, we have some designs and, and, you know, I think a lot of people want our, our full, uh, logo on a hat. And, you know, I think that's something we're looking at doing and, uh, we've got a, maybe three or four different things uh, that we're interested in doing with new era and kind of seeing how quickly we can get it done. And that, that could be like, a, you know, a couple months in the factory, you know, but it's definitely not. Uh, I wish it were so simple to be a two or three week thing, but it's also like, I feel like that's part of what you're buying, right? Like they uh, have a lot of attention to detail. They're the best at what they do. And, you know, I know our designer, he like really, you know, said, no, we have to work with them because, you know, I think the people that want these hats, they really want these hats. Like you have to do it with these. Oh guys. yeah. Oh yeah. We, yeah. People that really want the hat, want the hat. And and let me be honest with you as a hat guy, it's like, it, it's got to fit right. You know, it's like, right. cause people, you know, sometimes I get questions like, you know, Hey, you know, I know that some hat brands, they, they're they not the size that they say they are. And so you have to order the next size. So is it, is it legit? So yeah, you know, new era has been one of those that have been, been around and, and they know, they know the hat game. And so it's, it's important. And one of the things I wanted to say, cause I saw that big smile on your face, people aren't going to be able to see this, but the big smile yeah. on your face when you, when you're mentioning like, you're not the only one, we got all these people like, tell me how far away have you been getting inquiries from on these like hats? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of like fans, I guess you'd say, like reaching out from Canada and the UK. Um, we don't technically do international orders yet. Um, just because of like the, you know, when we initially signed up, we didn't really anticipate that kind of demand. Um, but we've definitely gotten it. And we, we got a lot of media stories in Canada, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, we've gotten a lot of Canadians reaching out. Love those guys and, and ladies. And then uh, the UK, um, we are transitioning to facilitate those international orders, which is good. And I think they'll be happy. Um, 
it's just been kind of a process. And actually, you know, now we have people doing fulfillment for us, a local company in downtown Winston-Salem next to the stadium, which is nice. Um, the first two weekends, my, me and my wife, the other owner and his wife, we essentially were just packing shirts and packing hats. And it was awesome to know that people wanted our stuff. But like some of the people in the room had have like other full time jobs. And so like they were so relieved when I'm like, guys, let's uh, let's let this local company handle our shipping and all this because um, now we can focus on baseball, which is, you know, when you're a few weeks out from a season, um, that'll make life a little more manageable for everybody. But it, it's been great, man. I mean, I, I'm, I, I think it's cool because me and the illustrator we've known this was going to be great, but we've had to be kind of, you know, we were just working on it back and forth with computer files and no one had seen it really. And it's crazy when like you launch it and you're hoping for some like luck, you know, but then man, the response was nuts and it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm so happy for you guys. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what, what the, you know, the apparel product is going to bring it to the line. Um, excited to you know see what you guys get out on the field now are you going to be broadcasting any of these games on like facebook youtube because i know some of the other um organizations do that yeah that's the plan i i don't you know it's kind of one of those things that you know maybe you could think that's not something you have to do but i, I think for us even though we have a lot of local guys uh we still need to get the best guys we can and we don't know what the future is going to be like as far as like maybe next year we would get a higher percentage of out of state players. You know, I don't, depending on everything in the world, right. Um, Or you just want a very elite out of state player to come to you. So I I think being able to show that your program is organized enough to have, you know, some kind of streaming situation is key um, because players' families want to watch them play, especially if they wish their kid was home with them, um, wish they could go to all their games. They want to be able to, to see. Um, so I think it's important from a recruiting standpoint and just for your own brand, I think it's good. And uh, what's interesting is there's so many young people that want broadcasting experience. So, you know, I, I had planned to stream the games anyway, um, but it's looking like we're going to have a two person, uh, broadcast team, you know, a couple of cameras, you know, we're, we're working on the details, but like, I've had like several, uh, talented, uh, younger people reaching out about broadcasting. So, um, I felt like we kind of had to do it to keep all this passion in the building, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, one other thing too, is, is that, uh, on the apparel front is, your team store has got a great name. What is the name of that team store? Yeah, it's the Foul Territory Team Store. <laughs> that uh, is amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, foul, you know, which is, I guess it's like also it's inclusive of both genders, which is good for apparel, right? So you got that too. Um, I guess because technically like, you know, we're P foul. That's like for boys, boy and girl peacocks or PFAL, um, which disco turkeys would be more of an equivalent of PFAL, I guess. Um, but yeah, you can, uh, you know, we, we do need to do a little better about getting kids apparel out there. So we're working on that now. Um, you know, we've got a trucker hat and a dad hat, but we we're working on getting more hat options. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're literally having a foul territory team store. So like, it's going to be in foul territory. Um, and you know, people can walk down the baseline and shop at the foul territory team store. Um, another thing that's cool, which I think really talks to how great the dash are, which probably I should mention more often, um, is they're actually, as part of our arrangement, they're allowing us to sell our merchandise in their team store during their games as well. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. So I don't think any team would, would, uh, do that, you know, but I think, they have a very cooperative spirit. They want us to do well and they want us to be back next year. So I think, you know, them, uh, you know, doing that, I think is, is an, a very kind thing to do um, to a new group that you're hosting. Um, but it's also like showing that they're willing to make things work. However, they have to have to do it. 
Awesome. Well, uh, this has been amazing. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you about the Disco Turkeys, learning more about what you've got going on and where you've been and, and where you're headed to. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll leave the, this last bit with you and just, you know, tell our uh, listeners where, where they can go find you and uh, anything else. Yeah. Um, well, we're at discoturkeys.com. You can definitely find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, like we were saying, we'll certainly have some uh, streaming here and there, you know, and uh, I don't know if that's going to be on YouTube or, or Facebook or, or what exactly, but we do plan to have that. And, uh, you know, if you're around North Carolina, check us out. You know, we, we play uh, 40 something games in North Carolina. And then if, if you happen to ever go to the triple ABA tournament in Johnstown, you can check us out there in early August. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be bringing out more and more merchandise. I know that'll keep some of our special fans happy, especially the ones that want the cool hats. And, uh, you know, we'll be, you know, I think you'll have a lot of visuals pop up on social media over the next few months of, uh, you know, where you can see a fuller sense of our design. So I, I think, cool brands and cool teams, you know, having a good primary logo is awesome. A good secondary logo is awesome. But like, you know, like if you're talking about teams like the pickles or like, or like your, your friends in Nanaimo who have, you know, multiple identities, the people that do it right, it's a very well thought out, uh, full spectrum of, uh, you know, merchandise, but also just like the uniforms, everything, every detail, um, it's an ability, every detail is like you taking a moment to show off, um, your creativity and like how, how you want people to see you. And, uh, that's what we try to do. And I, I think, you know, out, out where you're at, there, there are some other teams that, that do a really good job as well. Well, awesome. You know, we're going to have to follow up after the season, Greg, and see how it went. Talk a little baseball, um, talk about some, ups downs where you you know some ideas of where you're headed next year and and so on so we're definitely gonna have to get you on at the the end of the season there in august or so sounds great looking forward to it maybe we'll bring a hat then right yeah yeah i'll I'll be wearing it way i think before then (laughs) Um, but uh so the greg thanks for coming on we really appreciate it and um and that'll do it for this episode of the diamonds and roses podcast uh, please go follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're also out there, I believe, on Facebook. So go go check us out and then find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Give us a review, rate the podcast. Uh, and if you have any, any questions, comments, or concerns, just let us know. We'll answer those and just give us some feedback. So we greatly appreciate it. You take care wherever you are at. Have yourself a great day and peace out.